Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Catholic voice in America. On this show, I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like why the world isn't working right now. The Protestant Reformation is over. Christians now have more commonalities than differences, yet evil is spreading and the enemy is winning because we're still fighting each other over self-righteous labels and high-level theology. If you disagree with me, then you're part of the problem. Listen, as Christians, we're all baptized into God's family. We all want heaven, and we all struggle with the same human brokenness. United we stand, divided we fall, it's that simple. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist who was almost murdered twice. But God spared me because he had a higher purpose for my life. My mission is to unify Christians everywhere. This show was created for you, the person who wants to be accepted and loved and reminded that God has a higher purpose for your life. Let's get started. Today, our featured guest is Abigail Tiefenthaler. She's a wife, mother, mentor, and branding influencer. From the age of five, standing outside of her Presbyterian church on Fire Island, to taking classes at I'm not going to say it, at a German place in New York to taking part. Um, her spiritual journey has taken her from dark to light, from faithless to faithful. She's going to fill in the gaps in this intro. But here's the main thing. Connecting her Jewish roots, Christian baptism, Abigail has constantly felt like the girl in Judy Bloom's book, Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. She, you know, I get that. It's like so many times in my own journey, I'm like, God, are you there? Are you there? And BC Nation, Broken Catholic Nation, maybe you resonate with that. So many times you've looked up to heaven and you're like, God, are you even there in my life? Because it doesn't feel like it right now. Abigail's going to speak to us about that, about from going from faithless to faithful. And I wanted to bring her on the show to talk about that. She loves talking to people about their faith, and their spirituality. Her goal is to live a conscious life guided by faith and grace and accepts that it's a daily practice. And Abigail, you and I are going to talk about that daily practice because I know what I do now on a daily um, basis, right? I do the daily holy hour. I do this Facebook Live every day, and that really keeps me grounded. It recenters me in my spiritual journey with the creator of the universe, and I want to get into what you do, uh, what's your daily practice. But before we do that, Abigail, welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Oh, thanks. Um, you know, it's an interesting journey when, you, when we were talking about this podcast because uh, I really, you know, go back to being five years old and standing outside a Presbyterian church on Fire Island, um, not feeling that I could go in. Mm. And, uh, it, you know, I, I was raised by two brilliant, brilliant and amazing people in my life, both who did not share faith. So we were raised not even agnostic. We were raised nothing. Mm. So that's why I say faithless, um, because we were raised without, I mean, we, we celebrated Christian holidays. We celebrated Jewish holidays. But in terms of having some type of discipline as it relates to our spiritual growth, there was none. Mm, got it. What was that like for you? Like real quick. Well, actually you just pulled me into the story cause you're just so good at marketing. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to put put a pause on that. Um, go ahead and share something personal 
about you that very few people in your business life actually know? Something personal about me that few people know. Um, that I really, I am very spiritual in my, in, in my personal walk and that I feel like I've evolved um, just crazy steps over time. So uh, I talk, I mean, I, I don't make any apologies about referencing God but I, it's not the foundation of my business. I mean, it is the foundation of my business, but it's, I don't sh often show up that way. Um, mm. You and I are going to talk about that today. There you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I may poke, right? I may, I may challenge a little because we all need it. All right. So you can find Abigail at sweetspotstrategies.com. That is her business sweetspotstrategies.com. Abigail, really quickly, just for context for our audience, what do you do there at Sweet Spots? Like what, what's the main thing you give for a, a business owner or entrepreneur? Uh, branding strategy and positioning for the most part, that 30,000 foot view so that everything else you do from that point on is aligned with where you want to go. Mm, very cool. We okay. all need that, right? We yeah. Need that, every that. We got it spiritual blind spots and we got business blind spots, don't we? Oh, and we need, so we need to hire someone to point out the blind spot, bring it from behind our head to in front of our face so that we can see it, call it out, and then choose what we actually want. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just going to say, somebody described it perfectly uh, a couple of years ago to me. When we have a gift it's very difficult for us to actually use that gift on ourselves. So mm -hmm. as a 35 year branding strategist, I hire a branding strategist to help me. And when we, you know, when we work in our zone of genius, that's when we can explode. When we're trying to pull things out that we don't even know exist, it becomes a struggle. And then that's where business owners get overwhelmed. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we can't, practice our own craft on ourself? Yeah, you know, like there's a whole bunch of questions I'm asking when I get up to St. Peter. Um, and there's going to be a, that's, that's a, along the line of one of them. But I, th I think it's just hard for us to see things we can't see about who we are and how mm. we show up. I mean, you know, I was literally just reading about spiritual direction, right? And hiring spiritual mentors, right? Because this is the business I'm starting right now is doing spiritual coaching. And it spoke about how God has pre-wired man to need other people, right? For our own spiritual growth. So God has put in this built-in dependency on him, God, and on others, so that we need each other, so that we don't live these lives of spiritual isolation, thinking that we are our own gods. Right. I love that. Yes, I, I agree with that. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. So BC Nation, this is why I invited Abigail onto the show. I met her. Abigail, why don't you do us the service? Share how we met. Uh, we met at the New Media Summit uh, earlier this fall um, that Steve Ulsher puts, puts on a couple times a year. And I, should I tell the real story, uh, which is yeah. I went up to you and I said, I want you to date my daughter. <laughs> I, I forgot how you were showing up and you lived in Florida and, you know, I have a 26 year old daughter who's amazing. And uh, just, I, I, I just thought you'd be a great fit. So that's how we started chatting. If I think, you, you know how much of an honor and compliment that is that 
you walked over to me and like the first words out of your mouth, I think you should date my daughter. Yeah. Like I'm humbled by that. Seriously. I really am. All right. So BC Nation, I brought Abigail onto the show because I really connected with her right there in Austin, Texas at this conference. And the, Abigail, the way you showed up in the room, I don't know if you know this or not, but you have this um, very gentle, inviting, uh, charismatic personality, I think is how I would say it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And I remember when we just started chatting, like your eyes draw the other person into you. Right. And, and you really connect with people. And that's a, a gifting that few people have, in my opinion. And I was just like, I like you. Like, I, I just remember I said that. I was like, I like her. Like, she's just very maternal. Yes. Right? Yeah, very maternal. You have that gift, which is awesome. And I'm sure that helps you in your business life where people don't feel threatened by your genius. Um, and I wanted to invite you on the show because I wanted to speak about faith. And I wanted to hear your perspective and what you've been through and see faith and from your eyes, from your perspective, right? I can easily see it from mine, but that's very small minded. So I want to see it from yours. So let's get into it. I, let's go broad real uh, first, and then we'll go specific into your, your journey. Okay. Broad question. Why do you think that the world isn't working right now? I, I mean... I think about this a lot because I've gotten to a point where I can't even watch the news mm. and not feel a pain in my heart. Mm. And I think it goes back to, you know, being that naive eight or nine year old that was reading, are you there God? It's me, Margaret. That was really trying to understand the differences between different faiths. I think part of the problem is we are so, um, we're, we're trying so hard to, show up in groups. Like we're, we're trying to label everything and we speak, we listen to respond as opposed to listen to really hear. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been told we don't talk about, you know, my generation, we don't talk about sex. We don't talk about religion. We don't talk about politics. Well, if we're never able to get into a dialogue, how do we actually learn why somebody does something different than what we do? And so I think one of the reasons that we're struggling so much right now is that everybody is fighting for their share of this overcrowded 8 billion population planet. And, you know, they're, they're defending their right almost to their death, you know, their death of their voice, their death of their uniqueness, their death of what really brought them to that point. So it's, it, it's, um, I don't know. I mean, I struggle with this every day. Now, if you and I both agreed a few minutes ago that God has put in this pre-wiring of dependency on each other, right? This, this uh, need to connect, right? right? And be social beings. So why is it when we have this inner yearning to connect with other human beings, we actually sabotage it by putting up labels and walls to separate us and isolate us from each other. Why do we do that in your opinion? I have an MBA in strategic management, not a psychology degree. I mean, I, I wish I knew because I don't get it. It, it. It's truly one of the things that surprised the heck out of me about humans. You know, All right, I so let me ask you a real question, right? Yeah. And remember, when you come on as a guest on Bergen Catholic, you agree to be transparent and vulnerable and to okay. not 
try to look good or avoid looking bad, which is a human tendency, but just to be authentic. So where in your life do you actually do that? Like you put up your own labels and walls, maybe subconsciously. I, I, I think we all walk into a place and judge something on the spot. Um, Give us and- a story. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think we all walk in, you know, the first time we meet somebody, we, we judge them. I mean, just like, as I said, I wanted you to, you know, date my daughter, right? I was listening for certain things or looking for certain things. There was an expectation I had when somebody got up to speak at that summit or you sit down next to a table and you start having a conversation. I would say the blessing of having been raised in New York City is that color doesn't necessarily, it's not a stopgap for me. Um, faith, religion isn't a stopgap. I, I mean, the only thing I'm missing is some Muslim heritage and it's, it's just not a part of my DNA, but I hope I would embrace it if it was. Um, so I, I, you know, ignorance is probably the only place where I get really tangled is if you're going to show up arrogant, stubborn, ignorant, I probably am going to add more judgment to it as opposed to even now trying to say, well, maybe they're having a bad day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, something just happened in their life and we don't know what that is. So Mm. that's the benefit of being 58 is we (laughs) do start thinking a little bit more gently and kindly about how people show, show up to you. Do you think it's because we've had so many years to see how much of an idiot we are in our own lives? Yes. (laughs) I, I, I would tell most people who think I'm kind and gentle now that if they had met me at 25 to 35, they, they wouldn't have thought I was the same person. I get that. You know, the more time I spend uh, an hour a day in quiet with God, uh, the more God shows me how non-perfect I actually I am. And it gives me more empathy for others uh, who show up less than how I think they should, right? And and that's been a really awesome experience because I look back on my 20s and uh, I was an arrogant son of a gun, right? I, like I, I thought I, I knew everything yeah. and I thought everyone was beneath me. I was superior to them. And why can't they just figure life out? Like I even had coined a phrase called BFA, right? An acronym BFA, barely functioning adults. And I'm like, the world is full of BFAs, right? They're everywhere. And there's so much pride in that. And, and I've wrestled with pride my whole life, but I'd even know like it was going on. I just thought everyone was kind of like, Ugh. and now I'm sitting here and really getting how much of an idiot I've been my whole life and how closed off I've been to others, how much I've been a sniper in all my relationships, just killing people off in my, my life and my relationships. And that's taking time and spending quiet time with God. Right. So what shows up for you in your own life with what I'm sharing? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm right there with you. And I still have moments where I want to take back a word I said, or a thought I've had, um, fewer moments than I had in my twenties and thirties, but mm-hmm. there are still times when I'm like, Oh, I could have done that, handled that a little bit better. So I, I do think part of it is an evolutionary process. You know, um, my dad has been 
a part, you know, was raised by a Jewish father and a Baptist mother. Still wondering how that ever happened, but it did. And he spent 60 years, the reason he moved from Chicago to New York was to be a part of this organization called the Gurdjieff Foundation in New York City. And it's part of the fourth way teachings. Um, I took movement classes there when I was a little girl. Uh, but he would tell you, you know, it's all about being present, right? And so what I think happens when we're interested in, in this journey and actually evolving a little bit is that a little bit every day or month or year, we get a little more present. So when we get a little more present, we're able to see the impact we have on others. I really get that. So let's get into your personal spiritual journey. So you were raised with, as you said, no faith, faithless, no. Yeah. right? It's just this indifference. Um, how did you transition from that to actually caring? Like, is there a God? You know, who is he in my life? What's my purpose? Uh, you know, creating the spirituality uh, that you now find yourself in. How did you make that transition? Share that quick story in, say, three minutes. I, I, think it, I, I think there was always trying to figure out there was something else and I didn't know what it was. And uh, my parents always celebrated the rituals of the, the Jewish and Christian faith, but not so much the faith itself. So um, it, reading the book, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, actually was pretty pivotal at eight or nine. I don't remember what age I was. Um, and knowing that I wanted to have children and that when I had children, I wanted them to have a faith. So I really didn't think about me being saved at that moment, that there was a faith for me, but I knew that whatever I turned into, I would, and whatever I created, I would want to have them have a faith base. Because I felt that there was something missing in my ability to cope and my ability to process feelings that I had or process emotions I you know, was going through or things I was going through that was missing because I didn't have that faith base. So if let me ask, sense. yeah, that makes total sense. So what was missing? Like if you could put words to it, what was missing? A calmness, a just a, a, a peace, a calmness, um, a sense of seeing the bigger picture that when you're stuck in the middle of you know, being 15 years old and frustrated over whatever, 15-year-olds get frustrated over, that there was no place to go for that solace. Mm. I mean, my parents were amazing. I could talk to my mother and my father about anything. And they were pretty still, you know, my father is still alive. My mother's gone. Um, but there were some things you don't necessarily want to talk about to your mom or dad or even to a friend, you know, so. So was, what did you, what did you do with them? with those, those things that you couldn't talk to mom or dad about? You said you had no outlet for it. So what did you do with those I, things? I think part of it was, that's why I was a little more arrogant and snotty and, you know, rambunctious than the, the average girl. You know, I spoke my mind very early on. Um, I've always been, you kind of get what you get when you meet me. Uh, so I didn't, I guess I let it out into society, mm. you know? I mean, my first job, well, my second job out of college, you know, at a couple of months into the job, they didn't know whether to fire me or promote me because they knew I was good at what I did, but I was a steamroller going through the office. Would you consider yourself beta or alpha? Um, 
Probably alpha. Probably alpha. You just use the word steamroller. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I'm an alpha. That sounds alpha to me. <laughs> I'm an alpha. It's it's funny, like to your own point, like how we don't see ourselves. <laughs> like it's just like steamrolling through. All right. So what was the well, first off, actually, I want to ask this. What are the top three steps you took? Top three tips, top three strategies that you used in your own personal life to go from faithlessness to having faith and to truly experiencing God in your own life? Um, having kids was a, was, a good, uh, was a good start. I mean, and having the husband first was probably a better start. So um, that, that was, you know, again, I got married in the Episcopal church and had our first daughter and she was baptized in the same Episcopal church. And so the pivotal moment was me being pregnant with my second child and calling the church to find out when she could be baptized and having had that rector retire and the new rector said, we don't perform rituals for non-members. Mm. So, you know, don't mess with an eight and a half month pregnant woman uh, <laughs> because I literally, this, what? Yeah, right. So this is, this is what happened. I woke up on Sunday morning, that following Sunday. I said to my husband, get out of bed. And he goes, where are we going? I go, I'll go get Amanda, our older daughter. And he goes, where are we going? I said, we're going to church. He goes, we're going where? And I said, we're going to church. And so this was the interesting thing because, you know, this is where God just shows up the way mm. it's supposed to happen. It was visitor Sunday mm. at our church. And we knew people who were there. So we didn't walk in you know, stone cold sober and try to figure it all out. And it was just this amazingly incredible feeling. And so I would say to you, you know, as, as point number one, when you're, when you're ready to do it, 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 it will be the way it's supposed to be. Mm. So I felt very, I mean, I think we went every single Sunday until I had the baby and then I went alone with the baby, who's our daughter, who's now 23, every single week because I said to Father Sharp, uh, not Father Sharp, um, gosh, I can't remember his name. Um, I said to, to the priest, I, I want to have Emma baptized. And he goes, well, why don't you want to get baptized too? Because I told you, I never thought about faith being an option for me. It's a valid question, right? Well, and I was like, yeah. I, I think I want to do this. So actually my husband is my godfather. <laughs> I didn't even I mean, know you could. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So, yeah. um, it, you know, that journey was just so interesting, um, uh, because it, it really gave me an opportunity to say, you know what, I had a, I had the opportunity to have faith in my life or a biblical faith, a, you know, a Christian faith. Mm -hmm. I had, I never really even thought about it being an opportunity for me. So. Wow. And God used your daughter as that gateway or doorway for your own transition, right? Well, and God uses our children as gateways to a lot of things over the course of raising them. So, um, so, so, 
So All I right, tell so you, you get baptized into the faith. I do. Got it. And then what happens? Like, how did how do you grow in the faith? Give me the fast forward edition of this. Yeah. So um, total immersion. You know, became a Sunday school teacher. Uh, you know, worked with the 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 babies. Um, you know, became a vestry member at at one point. My husband was a delegate. I mean, we. I would say that we were going to church 40 out of 52 weeks, maybe 45 out of 52 weeks a year. And it was um, just a part of raising our kids. And what I didn't know was that it was raising us as well. Mm-hmm. It's interesting when, when we were, um, we, we were living in Pennsylvania and then we moved to Florida and I went through pretty major kind of setback, a little bit of a depression in right after I moved down to Florida and my dad and my mom, who again, you know, this non-faithful person or faithless person, I should say, she said, why don't we go to the Episcopal church? They sell Christmas trees. And again, I show up to buy the Christmas tree for our house. And the one woman I talked to is the rector's wife. And she was so welcoming that I went to church that Sunday you know, after having not gone to church for weeks on end. And the next weekend, I had my husband volunteering to hang, you know, greens in the, uh, you know, on the altar. And, and we were then back to that, you know, to that pace again for so many years. It sounds to me, just lo- looking from the outside in, like every time you went down or fell spiritually or disconnected or separated and and not from a conscious level, but like you just got down, you got depressed, whatever, which life just shows up, right? But it seems like these important critical moments in your life when these you went into this spiritual darkness, that God did the job of reaching out to you and grabbing you and pulling you back in. Would you say that's accurate or am I missing something? No, I would say that's not only accurate, but I would also say the interesting thing was who he used. Mm to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. So the first, the first time, spiritual darkness, he uses your, your daughter right. to, to bring you in. The second time, he uses who? My mother. Your mother. Isn't that awesome? It's, it's incredible. And, you know, you, you think about it. And again, it's, it's being able to look back to see, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty but even just appreciating those moments. Yeah, the God moments in your life, sometimes we, we miss them, we overlook them. And it, so BC Nation, I wanna say this to you, take that wisdom from Abigail right now and reflect back on your own life. Where are all those God moments? Where are those moments when you were face down and somehow God just lifted you back up, right? And maybe you weren't even asking for it. I know in my own life, when I was spiritually in the darkness and I was godless, I was atheist, I wasn't looking for God. He had no part in my life. And somehow he spared my life from being murdered twice. Wow. Right? I was almost murdered twice and he spared me. And there's nothing I was asking for. I didn't have a flash of light come before my eyes as I was about to take my last breath. I didn't call out to him, you know, from my childhood faith. None of that happen. I was literally going into the abyss, right? For all eternity. And he spared me. And, and God's mercy, I think is so, so endless. It's so endless and we don't even understand it, but God uses these moments. I know in my own life, 
God got my attention through things that were important to me, right? In your life, Abigail, what was important to you? Your daughter, your mom, your family. So God uses those things that are important to you to get your attention and, and get you to look up at him, right? And for me, my, uh, what was important to me was money and success. So God used business people who were highly successful, these business guys, he put them in my life. I would pay attention to them rather than God, but through them, they shared their faith of how they bring God into their business. And all of a sudden I listened because they had what I wanted. Right. You know? Oh, and I like six, that. Yeah. So that was very interesting. So we're going to wrap this up because time is flying by because your story is just awesome of what God's done in your life here. What would you say uh, has been the one big hairy mistake or thing you were resistant in, spiritually resistant to God's love, God's call? Give me that quick story, like 60 seconds, two minutes. What was that thing where you've been resistant to God? I, I would resistant to God. Um, wow, I'm going to spend 59 seconds trying to figure that out. I, I mean, I go back to the, the, the childhood of just not even thinking that God was an option for me. Having a Christian faith, having a faith-based period uh, was not an option. And then realizing that it is, you know. Got it. So what about now in your life? What, in what area, if you're being fully transparent, and not trying to look good. In what area would you say you're being resistant to God? What has he shown you? Going back to church. I mean, going back to church, I, I, I kind of stopped going to church when I was the only one sitting in the pew. Mm -hmm. My husband and daughter was singing up in the choir. And my other daughter was deciding she was an atheist. Um, so that it, it, going back to church, because I really don't want to sit in the pew by myself. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Is this something that God's been putting on you, on your heart? I think of it. I mean, I especially think of it around the holidays, you know, Christmas so you, Eve and Easter and, you know, see a need to start, right? You know? <laughs> uh huh. So if I was looking into your eyes right now, Abigail. Yes. I'll even look in the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> and I was inviting you this Christmas. Go back to church. Go connect, not only with God, reconnect with him in his house, but reconnect with your brothers and sisters, right? The body of Christ, fellowship. Right. I never feel alone in a pew. And I know some of my friends, they'll show up and they'll go to church service and they'll sit by themselves. And I always invite them to come sit with me. Right. Right, because we go right into isolation. Like, boom, even in a pew, surrounded by all our spiritual brothers and sisters. So I challenge you, when you go to church this Christmas, I challenge you to invite someone to go to church with you. One of your friends. Invite them to go to church with you. Or ask them, hey, are you going to church this Christmas? And they say, yes, I am. May I go with you? Invite yourself. So that you will not sit in that pew by yourself. Because in my two cents opinion, that's a lie from the enemy, that you need someone there with you or that you have no one there with you in order to go back to church, right? Yeah. And I think it's so important, right? Because it's one little step. It's one little invitation. It's one little request that stops us from the very thing that God's put in our heart that we want. Right. I can see it on you. Like, you're like, 
that, that part is missing. You've had so many good, amazing experiences where God has shown up in your life and they were at church. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Yeah, and here we challenge, challenge accepted. Love it. Thanks, Abigail. You're awesome. So BC Nation, I, I want to say, first off, I acknowledge Abigail for being courageous here live on a show with listeners in over 50 countries, not only being coachable, but accepting the challenge. And that didn't come through me. I'm just a pass through, right? And others are a pass through for me. And God speaks to us in mysterious ways. And Abigail courageously said, you know what? Dang it. That, that has been on my heart. And, I, and you didn't need to share that, Abigail, but you did. You said, hey, going back to church. That's where I'm resisting God right now. And then you took on the challenge. And that's what spiritual courage looks like. So I just acknowledge you for doing that. Thank really you. well done. Seriously. All right. Let's go into my favorite part of the show. Now it's called Broken Catholic. So I have a little fun with this, right? So welcome to the confession round. See what okay. I did there? Okay. Yes. All right, cool. I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions, Abigail. You're going to have about three seconds to answer each. It's just for fun. Don't overthink it. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> I like it. You took a deep <laughs> breath. You're like, <gasps> yes. Okay. Abigail, what's your favorite sound? Sound of uh, music. Uh, actually, sound the sound of, of birds. The sa no, actually the sound of birds. Okay. So you know what? My guest yesterday on First 100K said the exact same thing. Sound of birds chirping early in the morning. Interesting. Yes. What's your least favorite sound? Oh, fingernails on a chalkboard. That was easy. Got it. What are you most afraid of? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, getting bitten by a shark. <laughs> That's extreme. Yeah, that would scare me too. Okay. What did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s? Oh, I, mm, partying probably. Mm -hmm. What secret fear do you have about people? That they won't like me. Yeah, got that. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? That, that I was a part of his flock from the day I was born. Mm, love it. I love that you use the word flock, right? Because those times in the darkness, you're the lost sheep, right? And he leaves yeah. the 99 and came and found you. Same yeah. thing for me. I get that. What do you wish you had? What do you wish you were better at? Drawing art. Yeah, cool. What dream are you secretly scared of pursuing? A bigger speaking career. Mm, got it. What's the fear behind that? I'm throwing in a side question here. Um, the, the work that it takes and the vulnerability that I have to expose myself to the rejection. Wow. Yeah. I get that big time. What's a new habit you want to form? Being consistent and going to the gym. Amen <laughs> That's the to habit. Them. Cause I'm yeah. inconsistent. Got it. What's a bad habit you want to break? Not going to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> no eating. So uh, probably um, snacking late at night. Yeah, got that. You know what? I do the same darn thing. And I know it's bad for me, and I keep doing it because it's so delicious. Yeah. All right. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, I am maternal. It was a good word to describe me before. Uh, maternal, um, tolerant, and 
content. Mm, got it. Pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God in your life. Obnoxious, arrogant, and um, prideful. Wow. <laughs> you didn't hold back any punches on yourself. Got it. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends, look your children in the eyes, and tell them only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? <laughs> Don't get out of shape. <laughs> I'm going to piggyback. Don't get out of shape physically. Don't get out of shape emotionally. Don't get out of shape spiritually. I, I, I do. I mean, I would, I would add that um, how much I love them. Yeah. Got that. I could see it on you. Oh, I, your love eyes. I love my family. Yeah. That's big. Yeah, I see yeah. the emotion. Boom. Just fill you right up there. Yeah. Love it. By the way, uh, invite one of your family members back to church with you on Christmas. I may. Invite them. Okay. Yes or no is not your business. Yeah. Your business, just invite them. That's it, okay? Let God do the rest. Any final wisdom? Like, what's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with God versus not? I often say, you know, a lot of people will say, well, if he doesn't exist, you'll have wasted all this time and energy creating a faith. And I would say I'd rather find out he doesn't exist than knew he did and have missed the relationship with him. Wow. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the light, I say it this way. It's fun. Um, my angry atheist friends, I got some, a few of them and they'll be like, dude, you waste your time, blah, blah, blah. I was like, listen, let me ask you a question. When you die, right? When I die, if I'm wrong, so what? Right? Yeah. I've lived a better life because I held myself to a higher morality or code, right? And I loved on others and I tried and I got back up and I had inner, inner peace through all the struggles and trials of life. There are so what? Yeah. I mean, there are absolutely things that have happened in my 58 years that I could only attribute to the smoothness of having had a faith as a part of that process. So, Amen to that. Yeah. yeah. And then I looked them in the eye and I say, hey, when you die, what if you're wrong? Yeah. That has eternal consequences. Like, and it, it's a game changer question, right? All right. So BC Nation, we're speaking with Abigail and Abigail, say the last name again. Tiefenthaler. Tiefenthaler. It's such a good, solid German name. I love it. All right. And you can find her at sweetspotstrategies.com. If you like Abigail as much as I do, go to her website, sweetspotstrategies.com. If you need marketing for your business, why not hire someone who's bringing faith into her business? You got to know a little bit about who she really is on the inside. That's the type of person you want to work with. So reach out to Abigail. Abigail, what is the best way for BC Nation to get in contact with you personally if they so choose? Oh, uh, if you go to Facebook or, Inst or LinkedIn, my phone number is there and my email address is there. So it's Abigail at sweetspotstrategies.com. And um, I'm Abigail May Tiefenthaler on Facebook. So message Love me. it. Love it. And BC Nation, if you connected with Abigail's story and maybe you wrestle with some of the same things she wrestles with or some of the same things I wrestle with, reach out to her, message her, say, yeah. hey, I really loved your interview. This is what I'm going through in my journey or whatever. Abigail, you open to that? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I believe we are the spiritual body of Christ. We need each other. That's how we open the show. That's how we'll close the show. So thank you for being on Broken Catholic, Abigail. Thank you for sharing your story courageously and transparently and vulnerably. I really appreciate that. And I wish you God's love, God's peace, and God's transformation in your own life. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.